0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back Inside the Horseshoe. It is the Monday after Ohio State 52, Wisconsin 21, an absolute drubbing in the
1: cathedral behind me. That's the 40-year vet, Tim May. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Let's break it down, Tim, shall we? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, Bottom line, Ohio State picked up where it left off against Toledo, going into its Big Ten opener against vaunted Wisconsin. Uh, Number one, let's couch it with this. This is not one of the great Wisconsin teams, no. okay? I think you agree with me on that, anybody can see that. But number two, Ohio State just treated it like another day at the office. Offensively, took the ball, uh, drove right down the field, drove right down the field, drove right down the field, as I like to say, clickety-clack, right down the track, uh, and then defensively got after Wisconsin with a few exceptions. And then, of course, it was like you and I talked about on Saturday night, or late Saturday night, in our little Rapid Reaction show, it was kind of interesting to see Wisconsin leave its starters in their own offense just to get uh, Braylon Allen there, their vaunted uh, running back over the 100-yard mark. Of course, he had that big, long touchdown run, which pretty much sealed the deal for him. And uh, they end up with 21 points, 14 of them coming in the fourth quarter when this game was well had been well decided before that. But uh, bottom line, another, in my opinion, step forward for the Ohio State offense in this game, uh, going against a quality opponent. And then defensively, uh, yeah, it does look like that 4-2-5 is up to the challenge.
0: Absolutely, Tim. And I think that's where we can kind of start a little bit is we talk so much about this offense right now because it's just clicking and without Jackson's within jig butt, you know, you, you didn't really know exactly who was going to step up at the beginning of the year, but that's already figured out. But let, let's start on the defensive side. Um, a lot of questions when Jim Knowles was introduced. I mean, thinking all all the way back to December, January, February. How will this defense adapt to the Big Ten? Can a 4-2-5 work in the Big Ten? And can you defend? I mean, you look at the schedule this year. Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, uh, Michigan. All teams that want to physically pound you and run the ball. Can this 4-2-5 work? Well, the first test I don't think was the most difficult test of that with Wisconsin. But it did work. And that's the first true sign that... A Jim Knowles defense can kind of adapt and be flexible against any offense uh, because you saw them have a lot of success against Notre Dame, uh, which is a multiple offense. They kind of do a little bit of everything. You saw them have success (laughs) against, excuse me, but they they do a Uh lot of nothing with a little bit of everything, but. Then you saw them have success against the scrambling quarterback in Daquan Finn, who got them a little bit, but I think by and large we would agree they did a good job. Well, now you've seen them against a power running game with three tight ends on the field stay with two linebackers on the field and still be able to get it done. Yeah. Um, that, that leaves me to believe that, you know, the, the Iowa tests will be the same way. Uh, Northwestern's terrible. But whatever Michigan decides to do, Ohio State will be able to defend it with two linebackers if it wants to. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this Wisconsin game other than this offense is good, is that a four-two-five can work against a power Wisconsin team, and I think it can work in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, Ohio State's biggest test between now and Michigan, in my opinion, is going to be uh, the, the, the trip to Penn State in a month. Yeah. Uh, you know, Penn State, yeah, uh, they struggled early. I don't even know if struggle's the right word with Central Michigan, but then, you know, took, took care of that game. Bottom line is Penn State is one of the, I think is improved from a year ago, so that's going to be, this team's acid test, it does look like, just looking at the way things have gone. Michigan State doesn't seem to be the same team it was a year ago when it was riding riding high behind Kenneth Walker Jr., the transfer. Uh, obviously, he's not there anymore. They're having their problems. But getting back to this defense, dude, the last two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, Ohio State did not have two starting safeties available, Josh Proctor and Tanner McAllister. Uh, they had two fellows step in, who? Lathan Ransom and uh, Cameron Martinez. And Cameron Martinez and didn't skip a beat, in my opinion, uh, against Toledo. This past week, they didn't have their two number one cornerbacks and Denzel Burke with a broken bone or something in his hand needed surgery last week. They kind of kept that on the QT, thought he was going to get to play with a pad on his hand. Then they opted out, you know, before the, you know, basically before pregame warm-up started really, that uh, just wasn't gonna work for him. Could work in the na- next week, this coming week against Rutgers. But uh, you got J- Jair Brown, and, uh, and J.K. Johnson start at the cornerbacks to basically, well, maybe a second team and a third team quarterback, when you consider Jordan Hancock is still on the mend from that hamstring pull. I mean, you talk about plumbing the depths of a defense is still coming up big time. That's exactly what uh, this defense has done in the secondary the last couple of weeks. And like we remarked on Saturday night, and I'll repeat it, I'm stunned Wisconsin either didn't have the, uh, they either didn't have the knowledge or didn't have the wherewithal to test those two corners, those two first time starting corners. That was kinda of stunning to me that they didn't get to the edges, try to throw to the edges a lot more in that game than they did. But I thought those two guys played extremely well, Johnson and Brown, and we'll see where it goes from here.
0: It's very apparent, very obvious that Paul Christ and that Wisconsin offense do not trust Graham Mertz to do anything other than throw to tight ends and maybe the occasional out route. I mean that was made very clear that you didn't challenge Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson more. But for Ohio State, you know, because that's who we cover here, Tim, uh, when you talk about the corners, <coughs> only having three scholarship corners is really bad right now uh, for Ohio State. It, it's, a, it's a very large concern, considering you need more than three corners to get through a football season and win a national championship. Uh, I expect Cameron Brown will be back eventually, soon. Uh, I expect Denzel Burke will heal up and be back jordan hancock we have no idea but in the meantime tim Rutgers just threw two pick sixes on saturday against iowa their passing attack is one of the worst in the country. it's ab- in the country it's absolutely dreadful um and I, i'm not the medical expert nor am i head coach ryan day but there i see no reason to rush any of these corner corners back <laughs> you've got jair brown who obviously was making an imprint you know, starting to make an impact in practice, who lost his black stripe early in the process this this training camp. Yes. You've got JK Johnson, who some people were raving about heading into this preseason, who's finally starting to get not only get his feet wet, but kind of dive in there and and play a full game. Those two are building confidence and you you already are thin at corner no matter what. There's six scholarship cornerbacks on this roster no matter how you how you cut it. But if you want to build depth because there's really no such thing as depth when you have six. But if you want to build depth, those other guys can probably rest on Saturday. Jair Brown, J.K. Johnson, if they get their second start against Rutgers, I know it's Wisconsin and Rutgers, two bad passing teams. But that's how you build confidence, and that's how you build depth. So if you need Jair Brown against Georgia, or you need Jair Brown against (coughs) Michigan, you absolutely need him. That's a confident kid who's got two starts, who understands what he needs to do, and he can go in there and play. I think this is a – almost a blessing in disguise for this team uh, to get Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson a start
1: under their belt in front of 106,000 people. It's always a blessing in retrospect. Yes, You know, the coaches would prefer not to have these kind of blessings, uh, you know, deal to deal with these kind of blessings. And then a the guy that you left out of the mix there when you were talking about, you know, the scholarship corners, uh, you know, he's he's like the, almost their Swiss Army knife kind of dude in the secondary right now is Cam Martinez. Cam Martinez can play corner. Uh, they've got a, maybe another safety or two that they could switch over there and you know in, in tough situations heck Tanner McAllister could probably play corner against <laughs> yeah. some of the competition and that's not knocking that's not a slam on Tanner McAllister I like where he is mm-hmm. I mean the dude comes up with the uh, with the pick the other night that really tipped this game uh, uh, irrevocably Ohio State's way yes um, I mean uh, it was crazy uh, they've gotten two picks down the last two games so it is coming around you know they're answering that final question about this defense. But can you get turnovers? Yes. The, the answer is yes. But the but the bottom line is uh, they've got some guys that can can be stopgap measures. Let's put it that way. And I think I think Cam Martinez could probably play corner on a lot of school on a lot of teams around the country. What's interesting is, uh, I thought we might see him in that game the other night, uh, and we didn't. It was pretty much the Jaya Brown uh, J.K. Johnson show throughout. And because yeah. uh, you know number one. Their first starts, and number two, they needed the reps, as you pointed out. So, yes, in retrospect, in the rearview mirror, what a blessing that was for the defense. Just like a week before, what a blessing it was for the defense to get those two safeties in there. You would prefer, you would prefer to be full strength, though. Yes, yeah, he said, stating the sun is hot. Also. <laughs> Well, the sun's about to come up behind us yes, here it is. Uh, on the
0: eastern end of, of Ohio Stadium. It's it's a beautiful fall morning, Tim, by the way. We usually touch on the weather at the beginning of this show, but I figured I would add it. There's a few clouds in the sky.
1: No, this uh, is a, another beautiful football day. Too bad it's a Monday <laughs> morning.
0: I know. Well, Saturday afternoon, Ohio State will play Rutgers in this building for yeah. homecoming at 3.30. Uh, we, we can get into that a little later. But I, I think this offense, Tim, as we transition here on the Monday after, uh, it's... I don't want to call it unstoppable because we tried to do that a little bit at times last year, and then you ran into this fourth, is different. In, you ran into fourth down issues against Oregon. You ran into issues. Let's just keep it that way against uh, Penn, Michigan. Against Michigan, you ran into issues trying to run the football. Uh, minus one long run by TreVon Henderson in the Penn State game. The better defenses this team played last year, um, the offense regressed. Maybe regress to the mean because they didn't regress below the mean by any stretch. They still scored a lot of points.
1: Yeah. But well, not think, as many as they needed to because, no, as we yeah. pointed out, against Oregon and uh, Michigan, their two losses, they only scored twenty-seven. The average, they led the nation last year in scoring with what forty-five or forty-seven point five, whatever the number was. They led the nation except in those two games, and those are the measurement games. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you can talk about like like Ryan Day would even tell you. You can talk about stats all you want. This. I keep coming back to this. This is as good an offense as I've ever seen at Ohio State. I'm talking about this present day 2022 offense with the uh, double shot at running back with Dallin Hayden coming on strong as that third guy, Uh, the the running and with this offensive line blocking the way it is. Donovan Jackson is going to be an All-American by the end of this year if he keeps it up, for example. the, the offensive line looks like a true offensive line, the way it's playing, the way it's moving guys out. Like, like you know, you were just tipping with one of the guys leaving the field the other night. I mean, they handled that Wisconsin front. With ease. The defensive front, basically with ease. Yeah. And uh, yeah, every, front, every front's every front got to have a, a few moments where it has some success getting to the quarterback or whatever, but for the most part, that was a fairly clean pocket for C.J. Stroud and some nice running lanes for Myron Williams and Trevion Henderson. There's not a whole lot more you can ask for from an offensive line.
0: Yeah, and I think Tim, that's that's the point I was I was going to make, and I'm glad you, you made that for me because this is different. This offense is just is simply different from what it was a year ago. Uh, last year they had trouble running the football. They had two tackles playing guard. Um, I, I think that's one of the great mysteries of my four years covering this team, is having two tackles play guard, uh, and and you know taking the running game with it. I guess. I don't
1: know. I thought it looked pretty good on paper.
0: Yeah, on paper, but, but you know, the game's not played on paper. And uh, it's obvious to see that, that the offensive line needed some changes and it got them this offseason. And you're starting to reap the benefits of those changes. You know, you've got guys pulling around, uh, you know, in short-yarded situations to, to clear running lanes for Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. You've got a harder running, uh, I, I think he's he looks a little bit more in shape, Mayan Williams, who looks like one of the best backs in the Big Ten. I think he's having a better season right now than Travion Henderson. Um, that's not to say Travion's not playing well because he is. They both went over 100 yards, but, you know, Mayan's running on a different level right now. Um, this offense, simply put, is just different, Tim, than it was a year ago, and that, that includes a, a better C.J. Stroud, I think. He didn't have his best stuff on Saturday on the rewatch. That was apparent. Um, had Got got away with a couple, including a Could have been pick six uh, at the beginning of the second half, but you look at the ways yep. they can beat you, Tim. You got, it, you got the tight end, you got the receivers, <coughs> the running backs, I mean, I, I don't see a hole right now. And we thought the tight end was going to be the weak link of this
1: weak, weak link, easy for me to say of this offense, but
0: man, I mean, Cade uh, Stover.
1: To me, it's interesting, I mean, Cade Stover made that switch to tight end, you know, basically his call was he gonna, was he going to stay on defense and kind of be in that mix at linebacker where there's a seems to be way too many guys and there are spots to play, right? Yeah. Uh, was he going to switch over to tight end where they could definitely use him uh, from an athletic standpoint but he is so upgraded himself as a tight end uh, in the last nine months it's crazy and now you've got a guy running around out there six foot five 260 265 pounds uh, with great athletic ability who can catch the ball who is not afraid to run over people I'm gonna let you interrupt me in a minute I'm just holding <laughs> off uh but every week he looks more and more like uh maybe, in in uh, I don't know contention for maybe being one of the elite tight ends in the country. He's built like a Watt,
0: like a like, you know how the the Watt brothers in the NFL are all built. Yeah. You see number eight jog out there and he's got that big sh- that big elbow brace on. Yeah. Like you always see those three brothers Derek, TJ, and JJ. And I'm not saying he's on that same skill level because those guys are all you know two of them are all pros. Yeah, uh, but but. Kate Stover is built like one of those guys. Yeah. And to see him do it all like at a tight end, to be able to throw his body around and block, you know, I think he took a a, a Wisconsin defensive end and dispatched of him, you know, yeah. pretty easily on a pancake block on a nice Treyvon Henderson run uh that really opened up a lane. You saw him catch passes. Um I will admit and I, I don't care how you get them. Ryan Day really schemed those up for him. You Dang. act like Act like CJ Stroud's going to run into the end zone and then just throw it over the top to Cade Stover. Uh no, but the way
1: that was executed, Cade sold his block, sold oh, yeah. whatever, yeah. and then he just late release and he's wide open. I mean, I mean, what stunned me? Well, not stunned is maybe not the right, but I was very surprised. And it was such a such a great scheme, like you're talking about. They had him out wide. I mean. I'm not talking about in the slot. They had him out as wide as you can get. I you thought he, so there was one point, Tim, he was splitting out wide. <laughs> he was almost out of bounds. I he split he out wide so far. I yeah. thought he was going to leave the exactly. field and come out and, of the game. And Wisconsin clearly had no answer for that. But what it did, and I wrote about that for uh, what it did was it opened up these other lanes for, uh, especially Mekak uh crossing routes and things like that, that they also exploited. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. to a certain extent, although Marvin Harrison Jr. drew double coverage almost all night last night from, or almost all night two nights ago. Uh, It was crazy, uh, the attention he drew, but uh, it just opened things up so wide. And I'm going, this was, okay, genius is, maybe you should never use the word genius when you're talking about football plays, Yeah, you know, they're not going to Mars, Uh, but the bottom line is it was, in a football rim, it was genius what they did with him. And it just, man, it just, imagine the defense coordinator right now at Rutgers or the new defense coordinators down the road, all of this stuff they're trying to digest that this Ohio State offense has thrown at them in the first four weeks of the season. I don't know how you ever prepare for it all. It's almost like, hey, uh, let's get out there and let's just do the uh, uh, guard the shoreline and keep them, make them uh, go the long way.
0: Yeah, Tim, I think that, that's a good point, trying to, scheme this thing up. And one of the things I always try to do, which is a fool's errand, I, pr- I promise it's not a good idea, folks, but I do it anyways, because I'm, maybe I'm just an idiot. Uh, I, I always try to- Well, look, you do
1: live in Grove City.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm just let's joking. Let's not give that joke away. That's
1: a joke. Let's not give that away. We don't need the folks. Well, one of the fastest growing cities in America, in, in <laughs> we, Ohio,
0: by the way. We don't need the folks that know where I live. But not anyways, uh, one of the things I always try to do is look ahead at what Ryan Day is going to do next. And I knew they were gonna end up sneaking Cade out for a, a, a pass, even though you can't defend that. But it was it was very obvious that was going to happen when you get into the eye like that. You know yeah. the, kind of like the Mitch Rossi leak last year against against Rutgers. It, it was it you could see it coming. If everybody yeah. was collapsing down, you could see him sneaking out and getting a touchdown catch. Now I'm looking at Cade Silver split all the way on the sideline and I think to myself, Well, some team is gonna be stupid enough to put a corner out there on him. And I think that's an easy jump ball that Cade Silver's willing to win. And another team is going to be willing to put a linebacker all the way out there on him. And then I think you just hand the ball off and let Trayvon Henderson and Maya Williams go to work with probably what looks like a five-man or even a six-man box. That's what they did the other And you night. win. Yeah. And so there are new layers coming is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you think that you've seen it all for this Ohio State offense, I, I promise you haven't. Kate Stover – and it, I think it, it's not just because of the skill level of C.J. Stroud. It's not just because you have to double-team Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka. It's not just because when Jackson Smith and Jigba comes back, you're going to see as good of an offense in college football that I've ever seen. Um,
1: I think he's pretty good right now, bud. It's,
0: I know, but but getting the Julian best Julian Fleming. Oh, yeah. His, his emergence is going to force defenses to have to account for him as well as Marvin Harrison Jr. in those slots and on those outsides. But I think the biggest key to this offense is just the craziest thing to say, considering he played linebacker, uh, you know, nine months ago in a Rose Bowl. But Cade Stover is unlocking a part of this offense that we have not seen under Ryan Day yet. Correct. And that includes his two years as offensive coordinator. That includes the 2019 magical season that could have ended up with a national championship with Justin Fields and Luke Carroll and Jeremy Ruckert. It's it's crazy that, that Cade Stover is the guy who unlocks it all, but... But it's just the reality.
1: Yeah, but, you know, as CJ Stroud calls him, that Swiss Army knife. As uh, Ryan Day has pointed out how versatile he is. I, I keep going back to this. He was the Mr. Football of Ohio in 2018. He doesn't even remember how many touchdowns he scored. He scored yeah. so many for Lexington. Uh, basically never left the field. Uh, he, he got his first two touchdowns in college football the other night, which is pretty interesting, you know? And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, now work a tight end into this mix of, of having to deal with a tight end in the passing game. I mean, as you were just naming off all of these options, you didn't even name them all off. That's how, no. that's what a, a ridiculous flow sheet uh, that uh, Ryan Day and his coaching staff are dealing with right now. Well, what do you do? I mean, what, what, what do you, I mean, when, when I wrote this story about the I formation last week, uh, they, they didn't just put in the I formation to run power between the tackles. No. There are a hundred plays out of that formation it looks like for them. That's the way you put in something, but the, the, the depth they go th- to to install stuff to me is is stunning. And it w- did not used to be that way uh, in college football and, and at, at Ohio State. I mean they have a they have a very complex running game and they have a super complex passing game and when you mix those two, wow, what a cocktail. And then tim
0: uh like i said i always try to look ahead at what ryan day might do next with this offense you also have g scott on the field a lot with Cade stover g scott can catch the football we know that That's you've got mitch the next... rossi who has shown that he can catch the football if you start to pay attention to Cade stover guys g scott's going to beat you if you start to pay attention to to Cade stover mitch rossi can even beat you a little bit and then uh, there's the probably about 305, 307, 307-pound 307 elephant in the room. That is, Josh Fryer is an extra offensive lineman on the field. Maybe we even see him get, get something going there. Wearing Keith Byers' old number, 41. And Donovan Jackson's old number, too. They could have done it with Donovan last year. Uh, simply, suffice to say, Tim, to there's a lot of options for this Ohio State offense. There's actually a lot of options for this Ohio State defense, too. I think that unit continues to build depth particularly in the secondary, but you're seeing, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Ty Hamilton on this show. I thought he played well Saturday night. I thought, uh, you know, a a couple other guys. Tyler Friday had his best game this year, I think. He's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. Cody Simon is is still playing well. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg, that speaks for himself. He's playing at an All-American level. Uh, I I think he will be an All-American this year for Ohio State. The depth of this team, I think it's the deepest team Ryan Day's had here. You know, last year, they weren't very deep. They had a lot of guys, but it wasn't – they weren't experienced. Yeah, there was no uh, experience. 2020, COVID made it, so you never had any depth ever. Yeah. Uh, 2019, I think the top end of this roster was absolutely elite, but I don't think it was as deep. This is the deepest team Ryan Day's had, uh, and and I think that's going to get them a lot – it's going to take them a long way in Big Ten play as we get into October because, guys, October's here. October 1st, Ohio State Rutgers at 3.30 here in the horseshoe.
1: Yeah. It's nice and cool right now. It's football weather, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, uh, the interesting thing is we get ready to sign off here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm curious about what's the next step for this offense. And then number number two, I, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle Rutgers because I think Rutgers is a pretty damn good defensive football team. Uh, like you pointed out, everybody said, "Wow." Iowa scored in the 20s on them. How good are they? Well, two of them, like you pointed out, were two pick sixes. Yep. Uh, that wasn't the defense. This, they're, this defense plays pretty well for Rutgers. So they'll, you know, Ryan Day will have another uh, basically safe to crack this week. Like you said, defensively, the challenge for Jim Knowles and that staff is just don't give up a couple of big plays because uh, they can handle this offense that's coming in here, I do believe. I'm talking about Rutgers offense. And so what will we see new uh, this week? I'm not sure. Except, Ryan Day, this is what gets me about him. Uh, and I, it's in a good way. He likes to throw things out there in a game like this coming up. A new thing out there that, once again, you're gonna have to deal with. Just like against Toledo. They could've won that game against Toledo without the out formation and everything they ran out of it. Yep. But no, they wanted to try it against a, an opponent that is game planned against them and stuff. So, what's coming next, you know, that's going to be the intriguing thing from this offense. because I. Like you just say, once you once you think you've seen it all, they throw something else out there.
0: How weird is it, Tim, that we're going to probably talk more highly of the Rutgers defense than we will the Michigan State defense that's coming up on October well, 8th? But that's just
1: hey, let me the interrupt way one quick are. thing. Shiano has gone about rebuilding the Rutgers situation in the right way. Uh, number one, he's he's definitely dabbled in the transfer portal without a doubt, but he's trying to build it from the bottom up, just like the stadium is built and rebuilt. Uh, Ohio Stadium, you know, you you want concrete, man, you know, if you can concrete and steel. And uh, I think he's gone about the right way, but it's still a project. He even said that uh, post game uh, after the Iowa game, you know, he can see the progress. He goes, but you don't, you don't declare it because until you actually win those kind of games, you're still a work in progress. You're still trying to get there. There's no beating your chest about, well, look how far we've come. No moral victories, but the bottom line is you can see how much more quote, competitive Rutgers is, and it was three or four years ago, I think that's undeniable.
0: Yeah, so we'll see that competitive, uh, improving Rutgers program inside the horseshoe on Saturday at 3.30. Tim, it should be a, another fun atmosphere. The Ohio State crowd was absolutely rocking Saturday night. I, I think we should give a hat tip to uh, the hundred and five hundred and six thousand 6,000 folks who showed up and, and were loud and wore black on Saturday night. This place dresses pretty nicely in black, I will admit, Tim. Uh, but That's Tim May, the 40-year vet. I'm Spencer Holbrook. You'll see us back here on Saturday in the Horseshoe for Ohio State and Rutgers at 3.30. And we'll be back in in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday and Wednesday for practice reports. Those will be presented by Buyers Auto, driven by them, in fact. Uh, But again, that's Tim. I'm Spencer. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Subscribe below, and we'll see you guys in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday. plus.